Section 23 of Our Search for a Wilderness by Mary Blair Beebe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Insects were abundant on the island, and if we had taken time, we could have made an interesting collection. Three species of bright orange butterflies were numerous Eupoeta hegesia, Coelenus fierusa, and the familiar red silverwing a growlus vanillae of our northern fields and with these were also a white pieris monuste and a yellow calidiris satira the three commonest dragonflies were diostatops tincta ethrodiplax umbrata and ethrodiplax peruviana there were two pairs of black-capped mocking thrushes on the island and they afforded us much amusement they are true cousins of the catbird and mockingbird and from their actions would almost seem to have a strain of chat blood a pair lived in each of the brush clumps a and b figure 147 and hour after hour would sit calling and answering each other one pair the two birds sitting close to each other would shout in unison powie 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 rapidly a dozen times in succession the other pair responded weak 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 as often and as rapidly at each enunciation the half-spread tails of the respective pair of birds wagged violently from side to side exactly as if pulled with a string as the utterances of each of the two birds were synchronous the wagging was always in perfect time but sometimes the strings got crossed but almost every time the movement was in unison these active interesting birds have in addition an elaborate song uttered singly which these individuals were practicing but which we had heard fully developed at la brea in venezuela purple gallinules and cayenne wood rails were seen every day but were not abundant a pair of the latter were nesting near the island and well merited their native name of Killicow, screaming a confused chorus of syllables resembling these for five minutes at a stretch every morning among the smaller marsh birds jacanas easily held first place both in numbers and in action and voice day and night about every half hour through the day a group of these birds would set up a wild and frantic clacking sounding as if a dozen hens were being pursued and had about given up all hope of escape this was usually caused by the appearance of a crocodile large or small from beneath the lily pads all the jacanas within sight would gather at once and dance excitedly about on the surrounding pads until the pestered reptile sank again into the muddy waters several times we saw trios of these birds in play or combat each holding the wings spread low and in front ready to strike with the sharp spurs or to protect their own body by the buttress of feathers they are very graceful in all their motions holding the wings straight upward for a few seconds after alighting this being practically a treeless region the birds were of necessity either terrestrial aquatic or aerial and the latter formed a not inconsiderable percentage terns were one of the most picturesque features of the savannah 
flying over and around the island in small flocks the large great-billed fellows with black caps and wings and the tiny eyebrowed species reminding one of our least turn both beat back and forth or hung fluttering over the lagoon and now and then dropped plummet-like after a small fish the swallows were legion six species in all forever swooping over the marsh or snatching sips of river water as they flew the variegated were the most beautiful and we welcomed as old friends barn and tree swallows whose twittering forms brought our northern autumn marshes vividly to mind many flycatchers and seed eaters were nesting close by while the beautiful orioles clung to their pendant nests over the water and a house wren divided his time between inspecting his brood in a hollow stub at the foot of the bungalow steps and singing his heart out from the roof the little rooties or cinnamon spine-tails absurdly wren-like but in reality wood hewers which have deserted tree trunks for reeds showed us their homes concealed in great untidy balls of twigs as they flit here and there through the bushes and grasses they let off a sound like a miniature rattle the mornings and evenings here as elsewhere in the tropics are the periods of greatest activity among birds and other creatures in the afternoon before the hoatzins begin to gather great tarpon would play in the river the shower of drops scattered by their leaps sparkling like silver in the slanting rays of the sun the few in the lagoon are of small size but tarpon in the abary reach a weight of one hundred and eighty-five pounds a swirling in the shallows near the landing shows where an anaconda eunectes murinus is stirring after his day's rest his mate ten feet long has just been shot after having helped herself to the bungalow chickens one each night for a week and serpent number two whose size our arawak indian squaw cook places at a fabulous thirty feet or more must soon pay the same penalty unless he changes his diet toward dusk all the swallows of the world or so it appears fly past in loose bands or singly northward toward the etta bush to roost hundreds and thousands of them red-breasted banded barn variegated and tree swallows with scores of the gray-breasted martins then the fissures of the savanna appear looking whiter and more ghostly than ever against the dark clouds flock after flock flapping silently over a score of egrets in an irregular line then a dozen more smaller troops wood ibises higher up and beating heavily then and our pulses quicken a half dozen great jabirus slowly throbbing toward the sunset the ducks prefer the river and above the fluid tide a living river of birds sets upstream hosts passing until long after dark we paddle in the early dusk to midstream and the whistling stream of ducks curves gracefully upward descending again when beyond us as we go up or down the river we find the bend always overhead when we leave the river the host resumes its horizontal flow again 
faintly from behind the house from the edge of the distant edda bush itself comes in the evenings a low sound gaining in volume until the syllables may be framed to human speech muhuka mahuka and we are listening to the evening call of the horned screamer a bird known to us only from books the night sounds from the lagoon are full of mystery sea cows souse and roll in the river and apparently at the very landing otters play and cough and utter gasping sighs which makes one's flesh creep until we learn what they are the legend of the raracabra tigers which waterton and all after him recount may well have had its origin in these great river mammals who are noisy fearless and sometimes reach a length of six feet a beautiful skin which i brought home measures five and a half feet from nose to tip of tail water haws or capybaras probably add their share to the confusion but the major part of the medley is due to crocodiles who wait until night before beginning their active noisy business of life which be it concerned with food mate or play requires a vast deal of splashing and bellowing this latter is a deep abrupt roaring like the final roars of a lion's cadence an eight-foot crocodile was shot in the lagoon a few days before or rather shot at as the beast seemed to be none the worse small wonder that when we consider snakes crocodiles otters and voracious fishes that the gentle vicissi ducks prefer the safer vegetation of the marsh itself the real birds of night were few but with voices weird and awesome in perfect harmony with this unpeopled waste a pair of peruque like beings who in uttering liquid accents reiterated their names mingled with the ever tragic tone questioning of another goat sucker pleading with us to end his agonized uncertainty who are you who are you early on the morning of our last day april fifteenth i awoke and peered out through the dimness of my muslin hammock net to catch the first hint of dawn the east soon became lighter and the warp and woof of the cloth softened and disguised the scene which stretched before me from the edge of the veranda as i lay there half awake i seemed to see great towering moras with their masses of dependent parasites stretching high into the air this passed and the savannah became more distinct the whistle of ducks wings overhead was almost incessant with now and then the note of a hoatzin dull thuds indicating someone at labor behind the bungalow and the sound of low negro voices added to the imagery and i seemed to be with the black men three score years before laboring at their island fighting disease and starvation harassed by heat insects and reptiles ever on the watch for their pursuing masters while the orange-headed vultures soared overhead waiting for their turn which sooner or later would come a bit of comedy broke in upon my dream the voices of the negroes from their hammocks at the other end of the porch became audible for a moment 
won't you take a drink of something to interact to cold no thanks i don't stimulate parting my hammock net i found my vision of jungle growth had been prompted by a great bank of black cloud out of which the sun leaped at that instant and lighted up the beautiful green and blue of savanna and river little green herons were fishing at the water's edge and a jacana was leading her brood of three small chicks within a few feet of my hammock down to a causeway of trembling lily pads the youngsters were very tiny clad in gray and a large black mark on the nape even in comparison with their mother their toes were of enormous length they kept at her very heels and when she stopped for a moment crept beneath her wings but at this concentration of weight the water would begin to trickle over the rim of the fragile pads and the mother would hurry on flashing out the yellow of her wings every few steps perhaps as a signal to her brood why every chick is not snapped up by hungry crocodiles or other aquatic ogres is a mystery every morning this and several other bands all of three would thread their way across the lagoon to the reeds beyond after breakfast about eight o'clock while i was reconnoitering for the best place to begin trapping the hoatzins as we wished to take some home alive tragedy came sudden and unexpected a single pitiful cry brought me back to the house in an instant and there was milady who but a moment before had been happily planning with crandall about preparations for trapping lying with a broken wrist a hammock in which she had seated herself for an instant had become untied and given way and it was a miracle that the seven foot drop backward to the ground had resulted in only one broken bone game little lady her first words were oh we can't get the Hoatsons. the remainder of that fifteenth of april will ever be a misty dream in my mind we bandied no words as to the value of Hoatsons in particular or the whole world of science in general versus milady's hurt but without confusion quickly organized our plan of action i had the best corps of helpers one could want mr and mrs vinton crandall and harry one of us constantly dropped cold water on the injury another threw together all our belongings others worked like trojans to assemble the launch engines which had been taken apart for cleaning in two hours we were on the throbbing little boat passing the hoatzins and hosts of ducks with unseeing eyes then two hours later at the railroad bridge came a quick run to the nearest telegraph office where a sympathetic three hundred pound negro mammy presided over the instrument and wept copiously for the poor little lady while she clicked out an urgent message for a special train she said i am too sorry for to hear that bad news and when our procession drew up at her little house to wait for the train she called out to milady the comforting information that in their midst of life we are in death this greatly amused the sufferer and we settled ourselves for the long wait as long as one has something to do any helpful work to keep one's hands or mind busy it is an easy matter to control one's feelings in a critical emergency but 
when one must wait quietly for hours the long period of inaction is maddening we tramped up and down the track telephoning every few minutes to locate the progress of the special along the line then crandall spied a big yellow-tailed snake herpetodirus carinatus crossing the track here was an excuse for working off surplus steam and we both made a dash for it crandall caught it by the tail as it was disappearing into the brush and we had an exciting ten minutes getting it unharmed into a snake bag the active creature succeeding in biting us twice before we muffled it visitors to the reptile house of our zoological park little imagine when gazing at this handsome creature what a relief to our tense nerves its capture meant at last the special came in sight and we set out on the wildest of rides to georgetown having seen the lady in a doze on a sofa in the train crandall and i climbed up to the railed-in roof of the car and with the wind beating down our very eyelids watched the narrow escapes of dogs cows donkeys and coolies from the track at the approach of this unlooked-for train the yellow and scarlet blackbirds flew up like chaff on either hand egrets ibises and jabirus watched in amazement from afar or flew hurriedly off at the long drawn-out siren whistle which hardly ceased across the whole country we met the single afternoon train sidetracked to let us pass and then had an open road to georgetown slowing down we passed through the station on through the streets to within a half block of mr vinton's house here good dr law took charge and ten hours after the accident fitted the shattered bone so skillfully that hardly a trace remains of the bad coleus fracture the patient had no temperature at the time of the operation the only ill effect being a short sharp attack of malaria i cite all these details chiefly to show the falsity of most of the universal slanders on a tropical climate nine days afterward on april twenty fourth we sailed from georgetown homesick with desire to remain longer in this wonderland the three short expeditions we had made served only to whet our eagerness to search deeper beneath the surface and glean some of the more fundamental secrets which nature still hides from us but we had fulfilled the bush proverb we had eaten of lava meat and drunk of river water and we know in our hearts that some day we shall return meanwhile the thought of that vast continent as yet almost untouched by real scientific research the supreme joy of learning of discovering of adding our tiny facts to the foundation of the everlasting why of the universe all this makes life for us milady and me one never-ending delight End of section 23, end of chapter 11, end of Our Search for a Wilderness, an account of two ornithological expeditions to Venezuela and to British Guiana by Mary Blair Beebe and C. William Beebe.
Read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.